welcome to the first episode of the George Harrison podcast, known as P2 Podcast Blues. I am your moderator today, Hudson Ranny. Joining me is Martin Cobell as a co-host. Hi, everybody. Hey, Martin. Um, so today, um, we just want to run over through a couple news items. Um, All Things Must Pass is coming out. Martin, what edition are you going to get? I don't know yet. Not not the not the enormous um, is it eight hundred pounds or something collection. I'm certainly not going. I can't afford that. I'm not. Uh, I haven't got Tom Hunyard's uh, uh, sort of financial backing, shall we say? Yeah, I mean, unless you want to live in there, live out of. Because I mean, I keep telling him we'll be living out of that suitcase in that Uber box one day if he goes at that pace. I think so. <laughs> so, um, and so uh, we're going to talk about the song, one song from each album that we think could have been a better single. Um, Martin, let's have you plug your show first. Remind the folks at home and the trolls who are listening what else you do. I'm Martin Quibell, and uh, some of my friends know me as uh, the nickname Marv. And I do a podcast called Pods Like Us, where I talk to podcasters, uh, people behind the scenes like producers, and uh, also people who listen to podcasts as well, just to get uh, their opinions or their stories and what it is about podcasts that, um, that made them listen to podcast or to make podcast of their own there you go that's it in a nutshell yeah um i do a solo beatles show called i know i know it's a video cast you can find it virtually anywhere um uh it's a lot of fun i've interviewed a lot of people that work with the solo beatles i've talked about a lot of the albums this co-host will be a guest on there someday i promise um so Let's get rolling. So all things must pass. I mean, this is like the heat of the album. What is the song for you that could have been like a second single? Um, Well, I mean, all things must pass because it's a triple album. I think it's sort of underserved in a way because of the fact that there's such a wealth of material. Uh, I mean, what have you got? You've got uh, My Sweet Lord. Um, was what, was there a second single from my, from What Is Life? And What Is Life? Yep. Whereas, um, I think actually it could have got away with four singles from there personally, because of it being I a triple too. album. Uh, so my first choice would be uh, Let It Down. Uh, maybe perhaps too long to be a single for 1970 because it's a bit of a long song. But it's just that it's got an epic feel to it. Uh, it's got distinctive sections. And you can, uh, from that period, 1970, which was around the era, era of, um, that was when I think hard rock and heavy metal and that were coming out. It's almost got that sort of um, feel to it where you can see people rocking out to it as well because of the chorus that's just so uh, sing-alongable. Um, so, yep. Yeah. Um, but then I have a second 
suggestion for All Things Must Pass, which is also the uh, the title track itself. Uh, and that's because I think um, because of the title of the song, I think it fits with that time period. I mean, people, you know, you've you got John talking about the, you know, the dream is over and that. So on uh, Plastic Ono Band, and even though All Things Must Pass was written towards the end of the Beatles and was originally intended to be a Beatles or put forward as a Beatles song, uh, it sort of fits that era, what people were talking about at the time. It's a relaxed song. It's under four minutes, so it's not, it doesn't drag in any way. Uh, but I think it's it's got a classic George sound to it. Um, and in a sense, uh, I actually do think that All Things Must Pass, even though it was tried as a Beatles song, I think it actually works better as a solo George song than it did during those live rehearsals that the Beatles tried of it. I agree with that. I don't think it could have been a Beatles song. And it fits with the tone because I know during the recordings of that song, when it was being written, George's mom had just died. Yeah. So he was also that he was very close with his mother. And I mean, he had to recuperate from that. So um, actually all things must pass was my first choice. Okay. But my second choice is very different. Not only is this my favorite song on this album, I think it would have been a killer single. Wawa. Yes. Yep. Yep. I mean, great lyrics. I mean, if you look at George's solo career, there's very few rockers. I mean, compared to Paul and John didn't even really have any. So, but Wawa, I mean, it's just shred after shred and it's beautiful i mean just look at that i mean i'm kind of a guitar player but you can just hear the chord progression and his vocals on it um what do you think of the concert for bangladesh version i like that version very much um but i also like the version that um that they did for the uh, tribute to George as well. I thought that was amazing as well. It's it's a very powerful song. I think um, the only thing that might have uh, stopped that from being a single might have been George's. Um, I don't know because of the subject of what the song was about. George might have been a bit picky about it. I don't think he would have. I don't think he was picky about having it as an album song, but. He might have thought, should I really put a song that's a slight against Paul as a single, you know, but, you yeah. know, whatever. Uh, like you said, it's it's probably it's probably the most rocking song that, that George has ever done. And yeah, yeah. the, the problem I mean, is that it's, it's, it's such an enormous album that you've got so much material there as well. That's that's another problem. So some episode we're gonna have to like play all things must pass but turn it into a single album which yeah that's gonna be difficult yeah (laughs) um so i mean moving on to living in the material world which i think is 
one of his best albums and a perfect follow-up to All Things Must Pass. Yeah, absolutely. What did you choose to be like a second single? Because the only single was Give Me Love on this album. That was the only single released. Yep. I think uh, Don't Let Me Wait Too Long is a, a beautiful song with a really sing-alongable chorus. Uh, it's got a beautiful melody in there nice feel and uh, it doesn't it doesn't get in the way because it's quick it's under three minutes and it's it's a really good pop song i agree with that but i chose um living in the material world actually the title track um that would have been my second my third actually yeah or whatever yeah um it's exotic in a way but it's fun it's uplifting um, I love this. I love the horns in there. Um, actually, if you look at Solo Beetle releases in 1973, other than Band on the Run, there were only one single issue. I mean, Mind Games. Yeah. Um, this, well, I should, yeah, Mind Games and this album, only one single. I mean, Ringo had ever too many singles, I think, but. Um, that's for another day, pun intended. Um, <laughs> but I, it's always been a favorite of mine. But I think you could have picked Sumi Sui Blues as well, even though it is kind of a grumpy George song. Um, yep. But it's a slam in the face and it just works. It does. It really does. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Actually, on my original notes on my phone that I did, I did have it basically between living in the material world and don't let me wait too long. It was one or the other, really. And so that's yeah. how close that was. The only thing is, is that it is a little bit too long. At, what is it like five minutes and six seconds? Yeah, they, they would have edited that like they would have done some other songs that I've picked as well. But um, if it was the Beatles, they would put it out like Hey Jude. Yeah, they would. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, naughty word included. Yeah. Um, <laughs> In Hey Jude. Yeah. Let's move on to Dark Horse. This is this is one of my least favorite George albums, and I had a really hard time picking on what should have been a single. Yeah. So did I. Um... I mean, the song that I've picked, um, the song that I've picked, that's the, that's one of those songs where, as I hinted at, it would have been edited down because uh, I think it's a nice song, but I just think that it, as a single, it could possibly drag for the more commercial market. So uh, my actual choice was uh, Maya Love. Uh, because, Interesting. Because I think it's a good love song. Uh, it's got it's bouncy. It's got a really nice Rhodes electric piano, and it's simple. But like I said, it it sort of drags in single uh, as a single potential because of all of the um, stop start of it all. So you get the lyrics, then you get like an instrumental break that goes on for a while. Then you get the it's it's a it's a strange song, but like you said, it's 
it's a difficult album because it's it is my least favorite of of George's albums. I'll I'll be honest. Uh, I, I I did have a big problem trying to find a song on there that I thought was uh, that I thought would work. To be honest, um, I cannot stand Maya Love. Okay, <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. Okay. Um, I think it's like the worst thing George has ever done. Right. I really think that if he had just waited it out a little bit. After the tour and kind of let his vocals here heal, it would just be a drastically better album. Yeah. Another thing with my love that that I think it's more of a song that's got potential as opposed to a fully fledged uh, fleshed out song uh, as well. I think in a way it was it almost feels rushed, where he's got a he's got the germ of what could have been. Uh, something much better, uh, but it's almost like a chorus with nothing else to it. Like it got part of a song, per se. Where Paul, and I, I know I'm going into another Beatley. Whereas Paul McCartney would have taken like that fragment and then thrown it onto another part of a song that he was originally writing, and they'd have put these bits together. I don't think George. Um, I don't know if George really took the time to do that with this Asset album. It's a strange one because for the fact that George is very much a um, an exacting artist who normally sweats over his writing and the performance and the, the arrangements and everything, D Dark Horse almost sounds like it's a rushed piece of work, even in songs like that. Um, I mean, I don't know if you can call this potential, even though it's an instrumental, but I chose Harry's on tour, which is the only song that I really love on this album. Yes. If it wasn't um, an instrumental, I would have gone for that one. Absolutely. That's, that's probably my favorite on the album. Um, I know Cozen will appreciate that. Um, <laughs> um, I love the horn sections i love his guitar work in there i wish there were some lyrics in there yeah um could have been shortened a pitch but um i really just think that it's a great choice it's a really a great fun bouncy song and it's something that i like in george's catalog Yes, later, excuse me, later you will see that some of mine are, are a lot more upbeat and have got bounciness to them. So um, let's move on to good old Extra Texture. Now, I'm a fan of this album. Okay. Partially because it was my first George album. Okay. What was my first? My first, I hate to admit it, was Cloud Nine. So, I mean, what was your choice from Extra Texture? This was hard, too. People should see the face that Hudson just gave me when I said Cloud Nine was my first George Harrison album. <laughs> anyway, my choice from Extra Texture. Um, I don't know whether it's a good choice or not. I, I chose Tired of Midnight Blue. 
Um, and, and I'm, I'm not completely sure whether what, why I picked it in a way. It's a good rhythm. Uh, there's some nice, really nice guitar work on there. Uh, the lyrics are lovely, and it's got a nice melody in it. And especially in the change from the, you know, into the chorus, I think that's a nice uh, chord change that he has there, and it's got a nice feel to it. I agree. Um, if you look at, um, I think Midnight Blues is a beautiful song. I mean, there's no really upbeat song on that album no. instead of you. But um, I chose, I hate to say this, but this is my favorite song on the album. The answer's at the end. Yes. Yep. I mean, so, such a powerful message. Don't be so hard on the ones that you love. I mean, that's pure George. Um, just, you know, giving a good message. He's not grouchy in the song. And I like grouchy George. I mean, are you a grouchy <laughs> George fan? I, I like, um, yeah. I, I don't. I don't mind Grouchy George. He's he's a bit honest though, isn't he? He's Grouchy. That's the thing. You know, he's coming from a place where he means what he's saying. That's the way it goes. <laughs> that was bad. That, that was not bad at all. That that might be a hint for something later. It might be, um, and uh, it. it almost has the single potential. I think it could have done better than you. I think you hit like top 40. Um, I think, and if I'm making a list of my top 10 George Harrison songs, the answer is at the end is somewhere in there. I think it's a classic. I don't think that extra texture was given much, um, much of a push by the record company. No. And I don't think that they put much into it to be quite honest. I'm not sure whether the uh, the problems they had with Dark Horse caused caused the record company problems with extra texture because is it after this that he that he becomes self uh, that he goes on to Dark Horse Records from after this does he I think for for the next album thirty three and a third is it yeah the Dark Horse label label had already started but um, he'd done some distribution with like Splinter and stuff but um yeah 33 and a third perfect seg was the first one on dark horse and a perfect segue to martin would your song on 33 and a third uh because i'm a uh, musically i'm a bass player first and foremost uh although i play other instruments i have had to go for are you going to guess this one, Hudson, what I've gone for here? I think it's Woman, Don't You Cry For Me. It absolutely is Woman, Don't You Cry For Me, with that really funky bass, the uh, the, the slapping bass, the uh, the upbeat music to it. Uh, the rhythm of the song fits 1976 perfectly. It's uh, the guitars and the drums and the, the bass fit the... Uh, uh, Sly and the Family Stone type uh, sound that was going at the time uh, and the um, um, mid-70s Stevie Wonder feel to it as well with the uh, with all the keyboard work that's going on there and uh, the, that slide guitar hook that's in there that's really, really almost like Southern Blues. I just think it's um, 
and his voice works perfectly for that blues bluesy feel as well. I agree. Um, as somebody who looks who likes slide guitar playing, this is my number one Harrison solo song. Wow! Yeah, and I think if it was released today as a single, it would have gone straight to number one. What would your guess be? What my guess for you that you've picked? Yeah. Oh, I, I might have to bring the album up and have a look. Actually, I'm not. Let's have a look. This is going to be very interesting listening for people. This, you know, Martin's going oh, looking at stuff. What's he looking at? So that's the fun of it. It is. <laughs> You're hearing it as I'm looking. Ooh. Well, I'm pretty sure that Crackerbox Palace was a single. It was. Wow, but then again, there were four singles from this album. No, there weren't. Really? What? This song, Crackerbox Palace, True Love, and It's What You Value. Although that's two in... Uh, Three US and three UK because Crackerbox Palace was in the UK but not in the UK, not in the US. Oh no, the other way around. Crackerbox Palace was a release in the US but not in the UK. That's crazy. That is such a good song. Why did that not get released in the UK? Yeah, because that was one of his biggest hits. It was top 40. Um, but I'll just give it away. I chose Beautiful Girl. Yes. Yep. Um, if it was released today, it would have been number one, um, according to my Bible, Eight Arms to Hold You, written by Chip Mattinger um, and Mark Easter. Um, that was, uh, it was um, actually from All Things Must Pass sessions. And I cannot wait to get that box set and hear the version from that because I think this is his best solo song, his best vocal, his best slide guitar playing. Um, it's beautiful. I think, uh, just going off on a tangent, that when the uh, All Things Must Pass uh, deluxe box set comes out with all the extra material, I think people will be surprised at how much material actually didn't make that album. Uh, scary. Yes, it really is because they, they could have actually made that a triple album without having the uh, the Apple Jam bits on the third album. They could actually have made a triple album with all the other stuff that wasn't on there. Because um, yeah. I know on my original notes that I'd wrote written for this show, actually, I mean, like I said, I'm going on a tangent again here, but I actually said about all things must pass. I can't believe that I Live For You was not on the album originally. Because that, that, that is a great song. I love that song. I, I don't know why it wasn't on there in the first place. I really like that um, song. What was it? Cosmic Eye or something? Yeah. That was just released. Um, and I thought Day 2 demo, I thought that was great too. Yeah. I, I also think that something like Derridoon or Circles would have been uh, a nice uh, thing to have changed the the feel of the album as well. 
Yeah, if, if they too. they had have been on there, and they would have shown other aspects of George then that we all know are there, but it would have been a more, it would have been an album that would have shown all the sides of George then, because you'd have had the rock side with, with Wah Wah, you had the the relaxed with uh, all things must pass and songs like that, you had the uh, Apple Scruffs, which is a great acoustic track, uh, but then you would have had. The, the spiritual aspect of him with Derridoon and the musicianship of him in circles. Yeah, I agree with that. So what was your pick for uh, 33? Oh, yeah, we are, you already did 33. Where are we going now? Um, what about for the self-titled? I also think this is one of his best albums. So do I, but then again, I also think that Thirty Three and a Third is a is an underrated album. I think that's I do a too. Great album. The best George Harrison side side one of that album of any Harrison album. I would Very probably strong. agree with that. Yep. So what are we on to George Harrison? So uh, self titled. Yep. Um. I. I don't know whether I've picked the right song because it's a bit of a slow song. I've picked Here Comes the Moon for that. <laughs> because I'm it's not cl- gonna lie, I picked that too. Because it's a classic it's a classic George song. It it's got George written all over it with the um with that descending guitar run, the uh, the dreamy uh, electric piano that I think is Steve Winwood on yeah, there. Um, uh and that 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 chorus is just beautiful with all that harmonising and the, the melody throughout there. Uh, as we said on the first one when we were talking about Isn't It Pity, the melody on Here Comes the Moon rivals the uh, the beautiful melodies that Paul writes. It I does. Think. And um, if you call back to like 2012, guess who admitted to co-writing this song? Stevie Nicks. Stevie Nicks, okay. Yeah. Um, uncredited. Um, she co-wrote the song with George and Hawaii, which right. I really want to know what half was, what parts were Stevie's, what parts were George, because I'm a huge Stevie Nicks fan and a yes. bigger yeah. George fan. Yeah. That's, that's so, interesting. Yeah. Um, moving on to uh, one of his most underrated albums in my book. I, I did an episode with Dr. Kenneth Womack um, called um, Somewhere in England. It's yeah. the Somewhere in England album, which just turned 40. What was your choice for that one? Or should okay. I say this one? um so that the somewhere in england album is an album that deserves a deeper look to be honest because it's an album that was very uh troublesome shall we say for george where he uh off where he basically made an entire album and then the record company who were distributing for the Dark Horse sent, sent sent it back to him and said, "Oh, can you can you take this out and put some more something that's a bit more commercial, basically?" 
so um, but anyway I've not picked one of the songs that were taken off I've picked a song that is on the album um, and let, let's see uh, do, do I say the title or do I say why first I think say the title the, okay I've picked blood from a blood from the clone or blood from a clone was because, my pick too was it because yes. it perfect again is he's perfectly written a song that fits with the times so well it's got that um, it's got staggered rhythms that uh, in you know even the melody in the music that fits with the music of the time like uh, talking heads uh, split ends squeeze devo uh, it's got that rhythm that just is perfect for that time and the lyrics are so smart and clever and it's just uh, it's dare I say it's actually possibly one of my favourite George songs from his solo career. I, I really like the, the the rhythm to it and the whole feel of the song. I agree with that as well. Um, it's just I love that um, drum in the beginning. Um, it's like the and you know you're in for a Grouchy George album. Um, I think all, all those years ago was a rip-off single song. I mean, he should have written something original for John. I mean, he was shot and killed. I mean, come on. But um, I just adore that song. Blood from a Clone. Absolutely. So moving on to, again, one of his lesser albums, in my opinion. Gone Troppo. Um, are you a fan or... What would you say about this album? Gone Troppo has got a few good points to it, uh, which is why I picked the song that I have. But it's it's an album that so so it, pre previously when he did the, uh, the the previous album, the self titled no, the somewhere in England in eighty one, he'd had uh, a two year gap between that and the album before. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, in a way, I think Gontropo was rushed, in in a sense, uh, and it shows signs of that with some of the material. But that's just my own opinion. Uh, so, like I said, there, there are some really good songs on there. Uh, I don't know why on earth, why on earth that he picked the um, the song, oh, the one from uh, uh, Time Bandits. I don't know why he picked that mix of it. I thought the version of that song that was in the, what was it called? Dream, that one from Time by It's Dream. I can't remember the title. Properly. Dream Away. Dream Away. That's it. Yeah, that was in my own. I think the mix that was in the Time Bandits film was much better than the mix that ended up on the album. Uh, and I don't know why on earth he actually changed it. Uh, but my pick for, for this album is that's the way it goes because it's bouncy. Um, and you can almost just, I've actually written on my notes here, I can't believe I've put, put this up, but you can actually just picture people dancing on a TV chart show to the song while it's going and they're like, you know, just side to side, like dancing, that sort of thing. And it's quick, it's it's doesn't outstay its welcome, it's in and out. And uh, as an aside, I love Joe Brown's version from the Tribute concert as well. 
I agree. George did it. And I tried to get Joe Brown for an interview, but to talk about that, but that didn't work out. But um, just beautiful song. And I think that's the only other song. I, I really couldn't pick any song, but this is the only song that maybe could have been a single. I think it's a highlight from his solo career. I really do. Yeah. So moving on to your first George album. Yeah. Cloud Nine. <laughs> Cloud Nine. Um, first of all, is it an album that you like, Hudson? Oh, I love that album. Oh, good. That's good. I mean, it's not my favourite George album, but... No, no. But my favourite George album would probably be All Things Must Pass, actually. Mine's Brainwashed, hands down. And then, yeah, Brainwashed is up there in the following that. Yep. Um, so which one of these do I pick? I, I've picked two again, but I'm going to stick with one, and I'm going to stick with That's What It Takes uh, because of the guitar run that's in there. It's a nice take on a love song without it being schmaltzy or syrupy. Uh, and it's it's really catchy, especially in that pop chorus, which I'm guessing is probably where Jeff Lynn had a good hand Wrote. in that section, I'd say, because it's got a very... it's It sounds like something that he would have sung with ELO, that section to it. Uh, it does. It's got it's got really nice changes between the very different sections. That's something else that I like as well about some songs is that there's a distinct difference between verse, chorus, pre-chorus, post-chorus. In some cases, it's a very arranged song. Actually, it's actually more complex arrangement-wise than it might seem on first first viewing if you look into it. And I, that's something that I like about it, but. Uh, I think I think I've written down here. I think it's close to a perfect pop song. I do too. Um, my pick, something that's not yours, thankfully. Um, I went with Fish on the Sand. Okay. Yeah. Well, actually, nope. I'm changing my mind because this was only a promo, so I think it counts. Devil's Radio. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um. I think that it's so catchy. I mean, Sassy George and um, yeah, other than P2 Podcast Blues, I thought about this as a name for the show. Um, I love the lyrics in it. Um, I mean, it just, it, it's perfect at 3.2 minutes long. Yeah. Um, it was, it sounds like a Jeff Lynne production. Um, it did reach number four on the Billboard album rock tracks chart. Um, it sounds like something that could have been on Full Moon Fever or Into the Great Wide Open. Yeah, you, I think. But but then again, at this at this time, you've got you've got George at his um, most um, uh, prolific period. Really, at yeah. this point, I mean, Paul, I mean, George, I mean, was uh, was absolutely firing on all, all cylinders here here at this time because you've got that. And then, of course, 
you, you, you're following this. You've got the you've got the traveling Wilburys period where he's writing songs there, and then he's writing songs for he's writing songs for Eric. He's writing songs for uh, uh, Gary Moore and all these other people as well. Are using his his songwriter at that time was astounding in comparison to how he was before then because he, he that that's the thing. I mean, George is. Slow, he's more steady at his writing most of the time, so he he, he writes a lot uh, steadier than than all the than John and Paul ever did. Um, uh, but at this time, George was really really writing a lot of material. Around he was. That. I mean, and if he saved it for himself, I mean, Brainwash could have been a double album, or he could have had another solo album in the 90s i've actually uh you i'm just going to show you now nobody can see on this but that is my notes about a tangent where i said i've listed songs that he could have had in a 1992 album if he had done a follow-up to this five years later after the traveling mulberries because you've got things like um i mean 1992 you've got you've got the songs from the best of dark horse there were yeah. extra songs. The Cockamamie Business, Poor Little Girl, Cheer Down from Lethal Weapon 2, uh, Run So Far was 1989, because that's yep. on Eric's album, uh, Journeyman. Mm-hmm. Um, Any Road, that was written in 1988 mm-hmm. in uh, in Hawaii. Uh, what else? Ma- Marwa Blues, that is an old song. That's from the 70s. Rocking Chair in Hawaii what, is from All Things Must Pass. Yes, yes. As well. That's from there. Uh, I don't know if you know the song, but I've already hinted at it. He wrote the song That Kind of Woman for Gary Moore for the Still Got the Blues album. And George is on that <laughs> yeah, song as well. I'm familiar with that. That is a really good familiar. song. Yeah. I'll have to look that up. Yeah. That Kind of Woman by Gary Moore. You can hear George on it, he's in the background on it and playing and singing. <laughs> With, with Gary, it's brilliant. Because then Gary ended up being on Volume 3, uh, Travelling Wilburys, didn't he, as well? Yeah. As a return in the favour for George writing in that. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, the, he could have done an, he could have done a follow-up in 91, 92 with these songs that he already had. I agree. And um, moving on to Brainwashed, what was the choice for you? I had to go for looking for my life because it's bouncy it's got a nice chorus and a pre-chorus to it uh, it moves along nicely and it's got a lovely well thought out lyric uh, that says there's always something there in life for you if you look at it it's a positive song um, you know from from the, the quiet Beatles shall we say yeah I mean even though that was an older song I mean recovering from a state of emergency it sounds like he was it was when he was getting stabbed yeah yeah um, I, I think that's the best song on the album but I can I couldn't have it be a single too depressing um, okay I went with rising sun that was my other choice if I'd have picked one yeah even though it's a little too Jeff Linney as I should say um and I'm a fan of Jeff Lynne's production. Yeah. Sometimes it gets a little too big for me, if you know what I mean. 
I do. But, I, do. I mean, great chorus. I love, I kind of, I mean, you can tell he, he was sick because the voice had gotten pretty weak. Um, yeah. But it works really well, and it's just a beautiful song. Um, I can't say no more. Um, so... Um, what else was I going to say? In passing, uh, Ed Chen from uh, When They Was Fab, he said to mention uh, from the soundtrack to Wonder War music in the 60s, he says, don't forget to mention the, the song by the Remo 4 that was on there. But Oh, I love that song. Absolutely, yeah. And so Ed, Ed thinks that, that could have been a really good single. I do too. Yeah. Um, I think Horse to the Water could have been a single as well. Yeah. Which was the last song that George ever touched eight weeks before he passed. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Background sounds brilliant. Um, <laughs> um, uh, as an aside, I'll say uh, I also thought, you know, the Traveling Wilburys Volume 1 album? Yeah. I think Not Alone Anymore would have made a beautiful single. Yeah, I think it with, would have too. With Roy Orbison, especially that, that the big notes that he gets in there as well. It, it's, it's, it's pure Roy Orbison greatness. I agree. So I'm going to give us our contact information and um, we'll let you fill in on where to find us in a second. So you can email us at p to Harrison podcast lower p case p at gmail.com uh you can find us hopefully on every audio platform but we'll be on youtube for now uh martin fill us in where you can find us elsewhere well you can do a search on facebook for uh harrison podcast and that will find you find us there and uh, the uh, I think we seem to be getting a really good uh, feed on the Instagram page, which is Harrison underscore pod. Uh, that seems to already be getting a lot of action, even before we've even before we recorded this first episode. We're already getting a lot of positive, um, and we're, we're posting up all the time. Both me and Hudson are posting up whatever we're on about. Um, uh, or whatever's going on, and uh, it's very lively already, even now. Yeah. Um, so you can email di me directly. At I know I know podcast at iCloud.com. Martin, how should we contact you? If you go to themarvzone.org, then there is a contact section there for you to be able to contact me directly, and I do always respond to people if they contact me awesome so thank you all for listening and i'm a pisces fish and the river does not run through my soul it runs next to my house <laughs>